Support for this podcast and the following message come from Corient. Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Radio, episode 27, Trey Yannity, Marty Leap, Nick Caparoso with you again as we continue to get into this offseason. A lot of moves are being made around Major League Baseball. A lot of guys are ending up with new jerseys on the end of this past week. Leading to this offseason, we have so much to talk about tonight. The most, I guess, expected move coming earlier uh, on Saturday, it was Chris Archer uh, not being his option was not taken by the Pittsburgh Pirates, so they will not be bringing him back. $11 million, I think, is just way too much to be paying Chris Archer. We knew this was coming, but, um, you know, as it now has happened, what do you guys think this means for the team and the way this staff, the way this roster rolls moving forward? Yeah, when I when I wrote about this on the site, whenever the uh, move was made official over the weekend that Archer's options declined, I said this might have been the most predictable move in all of Major League Baseball this offseason. Um Archer, you know, like you said, Trey, he was owed $11 million. He did not pitch in 2020. 2018, after he came to the Pirates, he dealt with injuries. 2019, he dealt with injuries. Um, you know, it, it's it's unfortunately going to be looked back on as one of the worst trades in Pirate history, one of the worst trades in all of baseball in recent years. But, you know, it, it kind of got to the point, and I hate saying this because this is something I've said a ton. Chris Archer is such an awesome dude. He's a great human being. He came here. He embraced this city. He did so much in the community and for charity and all that sort of thing. He's a genuine A-plus human being. So I hate saying this, but it just it got to the point where the sooner you rip the Band-Aid off, the better. And that Band-Aid has been ripped all the way off now. And Chris Archer is a free agent. And what at the time was one of the most exciting trades in Pirate history will go down as one of the worst and thankfully that it's over and Archer is no longer a pirate. You know, I, I saw a lot of people speculating, could the pirates keep him and then, you know, hope he bounces back and yeah, look, look what's happening in baseball right now. 
Um, every almost every player who had an expensive option was declined um, and sent onto the free agent market, with a couple exceptions. But there's just too much um, uncertainty for for Archer. You talk about a guy like Brad Hand, who's an All Star, who gets cut because a team sees some stuff like his his fastball miles per hour dropped off, and you know that worries them. They don't feel he's worth ten million. You know, let alone a guy like Chris Archer who hasn't pitched very well in, you know, three-plus years at this point. Like you said, Marty, he's been hurt. It's a lot of money for the Pittsburgh Pirates payroll to invest into one player. So they weren't going to take that chance, um, you know, with especially considering what the, you know, the, the league is at least trying to give us this perception of the financial crisis in baseball right now. So that's another thing that, you know, I think people need to keep in mind that it's not just about the player and the trade, but it's also about that financial risk of paying a guy like Chris Archer almost your highest salary on the team to be, you know, maybe one of the worst players on your team like he's been. You know, this is going to be a scared, I guess, offseason for a lot of these owners because, like you said, they're just not willing to, to take a chance. I think Brad Hand is a perfect example of, you know, an offseason that a lot of guys have been dreading. Um, but, but you know, with Archer, it's almost comical to look back and think about, you know, the feelings that, that came when that trade happened, about the potential, about what was going on with the team at the time. 33 starts with the Pirates um, in his in his career with Pittsburgh. And, you know, I, like you said, Marty, you got to tip your hat off to the guy for just the way he is as a human being. But with the injuries, with, with the way he looked in Pittsburgh, it was not happening. $11 million. Uh, would have been well too much of an investment. And, you know, with so many players right now, as we get into this, you know, designating for assignment guys, signing with new teams, teams not taking options like we see with Chris Archer, um, you know, I, I think a lot of it is kind of a product of some analytics that are new to this game. How do you guys think that that's affecting the way that we look at certain players, you know, the way that teams are deciding who to who to take the options of, who to sign, you know, who to go after? Well, I think that's part of the Archer decision also. You know, for Ben Charrington, it doesn't really matter for him. Chris Archer didn't fail him. He didn't make that trade. So for him to get rid of him, he's just looking at saving that $10 million and hopefully being able to invest that into, you know, what Ben Ben Charrington wants to. Um, you know, I think that's a big thing there. I think Charrington and the front office, they knew, they've seen that Archer is declining. You know, I, I'd, I'd like to think that if Charrington was in charge, he probably wouldn't have made that trade because a guy like Charrington seems like he's a little more on top of the analytics and probably could tell that Archer's been declining. So for for him to bring him back, it wouldn't have made a lot of sense analytically. But also, you know, for him, he doesn't have to get anything for him. It's not his fault that that whole situation came to be here. Had Archer come out and even look competent, with his track record, the Pirates probably could have gotten something for him, you know, at least something worthwhile. And once he got hurt, like once it was announced he was going to have that surgery, you knew he was never going to pitch with the Pirates again. You knew it was over. You knew that this trade was just going to go down in flames, and it's where we're at. But I also agree with you that had Ben Charrington been the general manager in August of 
or July, excuse me, of 2018. This trade never happens. It's hard to speculate. You know, it's hard to look back and, and think about that trade and think about, you know, maybe what Tyler Glassman would have done for the organization or, or Austin Meadows, Shane Boz. Um, but but you got to think it's it's definitely something better than what Archer gave to this team. Such a sad story. Wish him the best moving forward, but it will not be with the Pirates. Some other names uh, outrighted earlier in the week. Kevin Kramer, Jason Martin. We saw Rios and Miley outrighted as well. Um, you know, not, I guess, too surprising. A, a signing happened, I guess, a waiver point happened earlier in the week as well. Michael Perez coming on. Let's talk about kind of how this signing goes in, it goes in line with the uh, the outrights and finally and everything else and you know kind of where we see guys like Kevin Kramer and Jason Martin end up moving forward. Yeah, I um I personally I really like the addition of Perez. Um, he he's a very good defensive catcher. He's an offensive upgrade over Luke Miley and John Ryan Murphy. Um, he he will give a nice little one two punch with Jacob Stallings back there next year. I really like the move. Um, Miley was – if they wouldn't have added Perez, Miley would have been the most surprising of the guys who got outrighted. But once you added Perez, there was no need for him on the 40-man. And, you know, odds are we're going to go into spring training and Miley will be back anyhow and just start the year AAA. So, you know, of the guys who were outrighted, I think the one that really surprised me most was Nick Trapino. Um, he, he pitched well for the Pirates last year. Looked like a pretty quality longman option going into next year where they could have looked at them, move him to the trade deadline for something. So that was one that really surprised me. He has since been claimed by the New York Mets, but um, yeah, I, for the most part of the guys who were outright and take off the 40 man roster, no real surprises there, especially once uh, Michael Prez was brought into the organization. And like I said, I do really like the Prez addition. I think Prez and Stallings could very possibly be the best defensive catching duo in the national league next year. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Perez, um, you know, just looking at his minor league track record, at one point he was rated as a top 30 prospect in Tampa Bay Rays on fan graphs uh, at 30, but also considered, you know, the Rays are usually right there, number one, number two, number three farm system. So, you know, in a, most farm systems, he was a, would have been a higher prospect than that. Uh, the thing I really like about him, like you said, Marty, is I think he can – you know, give something that none of the catchers could last year other than songs. He's going to give something on both sides of the ball. Uh, he's going to be pretty solid behind the plate, but he also, I think, has a little more offense than he has shown. I wrote about that the other day. Um, you know, he had 13 home runs in AAA not too long ago. He has a little bit of pop. He's a lefty hitter. So, you know, I don't think he's ever going to be, a, you know, a superstar hitter or anything by any means. But I think paired with Jacob Stallings, like you said, is a reason to definitely be very comfortable with the catching situation already heading into next year. Um, in terms of Tropiano, I agree. I was pretty surprised by that, too. The only thing, you know, other than him being, you know, kind of a journeyman at this point in his career already, um, he's pitching a couple different places, correct? Yeah, I think yeah, the Pirates at least his third, if not his fourth, MLB organization. organization. That's that's what I thought. So you know, obviously, there's a little, maybe a little more there than than we've seen. Uh, I'm sure you know they, like we've talked about, they have the numbers. I'm sure they have their reasons for letting him go. I think the biggest surprise for me was Dovidas Neveroskis finally getting DFA'd. I just, I guess, I'm surprised because. 
I just never thought this would this would happen. I get you know it seemed like they he had some sort of dirt on someone in the organization or something. But it's good to see um, them finally moving on from him. In all seriousness, yeah. But you know, I think with with uh, you know moves like this, DFA Navarowskis and um, you know Tropino, some of these guys, um, it, it could be just I think the ultimate plan of restructuring this bullpen. What do you think we see? Ben Sherrington do with this bullpen in this offseason? Who, who do you guys expect to see brought in or who do you guys expect to see promoted, I guess? Where are they going to fill in these roles? I mean, I think a lot will kind of hinge on roster moves that are made. Um, I, I think Richard Rodriguez is a prime trade candidate this offseason. If he's back, he's probably your closer to start the year, but <clears throat> who knows if he's back. Depending on what shakes out the rotation, you know, do they trade Joe Musgrove? Do they bring somebody in? Chad Cole could be a guy, might be in the rotation, might be in the bullpen. So we'll see. But I think going into next year, you know, the bullpen, you're definitely going to see Chris Stratton. You'll see Blake Cedarland, you know, Sam Howard, Nick Turley will probably be down there, Jeff Hartlieb. But I think it'll be a lot like this year, a lot of experimenting, a lot of mixing and matching, trying to figure out who fits in where. I think Nick Mears and Blake Wyman are two young guys we'll see a lot more of next year. But I expect the Pirates to add to the bullpen in the offseason as well. I mean, it's again, you can never have too much pitching. I think they'll look to add somebody, rather being free agency, a trade, a minor league signing, whatever it might be. So we'll see how it shakes out. But they definitely have the core to have an intriguing bullpen with Stratton, with you know Howard and Turley and Hartley, who all flash some good things. We all know what Cedarling can do. Edgar Santana will be back. So we'll see how it shakes out. But they could have a pretty decent bullpen next year. No doubt in the strides that they made this year. I mean, like you said, Edgar Santana coming back. There's a lot to look forward to for this bullpen. One guy that I think we really were looking forward to this season, and we got to see just a little bit of, Nick Birdie. Uh, he has recently had his second Tommy John surgery. With that news breaking, uh, the Pirates decided to designate him for assignment. Such a tragic story with this guy. I mean, battling back, looking great um, at, at times, and, and just, you know, the way he uh, – the effort he showed, I think, at times, the way he, he was able to recover and, and get back on this team, now designated for assignment. His baseball career is, is certainly in jeopardy. Um, you know, I, I, I think you just have to feel for the guy in times like this. Yeah, it's hard. Um, you, you know you... – we, we've felt for him numerous times, and I think that's the hardest part. You know, it's just like every time we start to get optimistic, like, oh, okay, like, it, it, you know, realistically, like, you can't take another step back. It, it happens, and it's very unfortunate because, you know, I know we keep talking about, but it seems like it can't be happening to, a, you know, a nicer, more uh, dedicated guy. Uh, Birdie is always, you know – seems like he's very involved in the Pittsburgh Pirates, you know, clubhouse and everything, and obviously has dynamite stuff on the mound. It's just, you know, it's just another one of those things that seems to find its way way here, you know, and it's unfortunate because, like I said, the guy has a ton of talent, and I just hope that, you know, for his sake that he can, you know, stay, get back and just be healthy at this point for, for him, himself. Yeah. You, uh, you have to feel bad for Nick Birdie. I mean, the, the dude's got the stuff to be an absolute dominant reliever at the major league level and he just can't stay healthy. 
you know, and it's if Jameson Tyone is not the most unlucky pitcher in baseball, then it's Nick Birdie. That's what I mean. Like, you know, and like, like you said, Nick, with the Pirates, man, it's just it always finds us somehow. And that's that's what I mean, I guess. Right, like Tyone, it's just been like, just when you think like nothing else can happen to yeah. you guys, something else. And that's does. where we're at with Nick Birdie now. You know, Tommy John. Yeah. You know, the 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 nerve issues, thoracic allergies, Tommy John again, and like you feel bad for the guy because, like I said, he he legitimately could be a top five closer in baseball with his stuff, and just you know at this point you just gotta hope he can get healthy and stay healthy and catch on with another team somewhere in twenty twenty two or whenever it might be, and hopefully still have some semblance of a baseball career. It's uh you know it's tragic you guys talking about it the way that it just it seems to get guys like the Jameson Tyones and the Nick Birdies. Um, you have to, like you said, Nick, wish for the best, just for his health, if nothing else, not even for the game of baseball, for his health in general. Um, Tommy John's surgery has has allowed the Pirates to move on from Nick Birdie. Josh Bell, though, there's been a lot of talks about extending him. A very inconsistent 2020, obviously. A weird year, 60 games. You know, you have to take it with a grain of salt. But how do you guys feel about these extension talks? Do you think we see, you know, a long-term deal coming here in, in the next couple weeks, I guess, next couple months throughout this offseason? I do not. Um, first and foremost, Josh Bell is a uh, Boris client. They're, he's not gonna not gonna sign an extension. Um, second off, I I don't think Josh Bell's worth extending. I think um, the money is going to the wrong player in that circumstance. I agree with you there. Um, there are guys on this team worth extending, despite his struggles last year. Brian Reynolds, lockup key Brian Hayes. Joe Musgrove, you know, there, there are guys there to build around. I just don't think Bell's Josh Bell's not even the best first baseman on the roster right now. He's not. He really isn't. Uh, after last year, the strides Colin Moran made offensively. Add the I, defense. I would look to, if there's not going to be a designated hitter in the National League in 2021, which Tough. unfortunately is starting to look like it might not be, I'm moving on from Bell. I'm trading Bell this offseason. I'm putting Moran at first base. Um, I'm not looking to extend him. You know, it, his defense at first base is just a total complete disaster. And he's not proven to me that he can be a consistent offensive threat with that power. So, yeah, that that's where I, I would not extend Josh Bell. I'm right there with you, Marty. I, Colin Moran had too good of a year to find his way coming off the bench next year. And I know it's Colin Moran, but at the same time, like, you know, we had the worst record in baseball last year, and Colin Moran was one of the bright spots. And quite honestly, when you're talking about having a young infield, you need a first baseman that you can count on. And I know that sounds a little ridiculous, you know, in today's game that we talk about so many numbers, but you got young infielders trying to make plays. You need a guy over at first base who can complete the plays. And, you know, a guy like Josh Bell at this point has not been able to do that. And it's, it's super frustrating to watch. And, you know, at this point, what, how much better can he really get? It's not going to flip a switch all of a sudden. Uh, if there was going to be improvement, we would have saw it by now. So, you know, the unfortunate thing is, is the whole trying to build up his trade value. You know, I, I, I want to believe that you will still be able to, would be able to get 
a very nice return for him just because of his potential and teams know that potential as do the Pirates. And the Pirates are not forced into a situation here necessarily where they do have to trade him. So, you know, I think it's one of those. I think they, they will also listen on him this offseason if they don't feel like extension talks are going anywhere. But I, I'm i with you, Marty. I just hope extension talks, um, you know, I hope that's maybe just a, a loose report a little bit and not there's not too much truth to it. One thing, too, I'll, I'll circle back here, Nick. You said, you know, when people talk about Colin Moran and they say, well, it's just Colin Moran. Colin Moran was the sixth overall pick in the draft for a reason. You know, the guy has talent. And we saw sometimes, a lot closer to that this year exactly. than we have in the and, past. You know, there are a lot of times, especially as a left-handed power hitter, it takes a few years to kind of piece it all together at the MLB level. And a right and coaching staff. I think that's staff. what we started to see from Moran this year. I think, I mean, since you've seen – Rick Eckstein come in here. You've seen Colin Moran actually make the growth offensively. Yeah, yeah, Even last year, you start to see him a little bit. You started to see him come around a little bit. He was, you know, a little more consistent at the plate. The power wasn't there, you know, like we saw this year. But you could see progress. And then this year, he took that next step. That's what people were waiting for Josh Bell to do. But here we are still. And I just don't get why we should punish Colin Moran to keep banging our heads against the wall for Josh Bell. Yeah, no, I agree. I just, with, with, like you said earlier, Nick, with the season Moran had, you you can't go into next year with him on the bench. You just can't. And obviously, Cabrian Hayes is your third baseman. That's what I'm saying. So, you know, you know it's either you're playing Moran at first or you're not playing him. And you can't, you, you got to play him. You got to see if what he sh- showed this year is what we're going to get from Moran going forward. Because honestly, if, what Moran did this season is what you're going to get from Moran moving forward. Then all of a sudden he's squarely in that. Should we maybe look to extend this guy kind of talk? And that's what I was saying when the money's going to the wrong player. You mentioned a second ago, Marty, he was taking six. I think namesake, namesake, you know, aside, you look at that Garrett Cole trade, get value out of that. And, and just ability wise, you have an all around player in call Moran and the progress is there. We're not seeing that with Josh Bell. How many tools, you know, can you contribute to the lineup? Colin Moran, at the end of the day, is the best candidate for the job right now. And, you know, the clock is continuing to tick on Josh Bell. It's a hard, um, you know, it's it's a hard conversation to have because this guy's potential and the power and, you know, his bat, being able to, to turn it around in our ballpark. I think it's it's a tough, tough conversation to have with Pirates fans. But if that were to be the case, if the Pirates were to move Bell, sometime in the near future when do you think that that is you know is it potentially still this offseason do we see it at the deadline is it after this upcoming season i think it starts this offseason yeah so do i yeah i think with the uncertainty and free agency and with bell getting most likely a, a pretty low ball arbitration offer this year because of the poor year he had i think there could be interest in just that um, you know, I think he's projected to get around six million in arbitration. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I think this is the time to do it. Um, especially if you're not sure what's going to happen with the designated hitter next year. Now, for a lot of the season, I operated thinking the designated hitter would be in the National League, but you know, as Rob Manfred continues to do all he can do to try and destroy Major League Baseball, uh, he has made it pretty clear that it probably won't happen. 
So, you know, if you're not going to have the designated hitter, I just don't see the point of having both Josh Bell and Colin Moran on this roster, especially after the season Moran had. Moran has earned the right to be at first base. Josh Bell was given the opportunity to earn it and drop the ball. You know, I, I think, and like you said, Nick, teams are looking to cut payroll. If you're looking to add power, Josh Bell is a cheap power option. I still think they could get something good for him this offseason. You know, I, I if, if, if real quick, so yeah, he's due arbitration, MLB trade rumor projections has him anywhere from like five million to seven million in yeah. that range. They have a couple of different yeah. projections this year because of the odd year and everything. But my but, thing is, okay, so let's take Josh Bell over a 462 game season. Excuse me, he's probably giving you at least 20 home runs. Teams will gladly pay six million dollars, 20 home runs, you know. That's that's yeah. my point, yeah. and, and, right? And it's they're not worried about Josh Bell being their key piece if if they're acquiring yeah. him, and unfortunately, yeah. that's what the expectation was for yes. him here. And I think you know if if the National League is not going to have the designated hitter in twenty twenty one, and both Colin Moran and Josh Bell are on this roster, I'm gonna be pretty disappointed because. One, Moran deserves to be playing every day. And two, you drop the ball in terms of an opportunity to improve the franchise down the road by moving one of those two, most likely Bell, because, I mean, Bell's got a little more of a track record than Moran. He's got a bigger, bigger uh, trade value. So I, I just, I don't know. I just, I would do everything in my power to trade Josh Bell this offseason if I was Ben Charrington. I'm not saying it will happen. I'm not even saying I expect it to happen. But if I were in Charrington's shoes, I would be aggressively shopping Josh Bell throughout the offseason. Well, the value's high. You have to try to get what you can for Josh Bell. And I think that's what is so frustrating for Pirates fans because he is the main piece here. He's, you know, the namesake of this team. You know, if there was one. And to, to let a player like that go, I think the expectation for return just gets so high. Unfortunately, I think it's going to. It might disappoint. You know, whoever I, I'm you gonna, don't go get I'm huge prospects back or see, you know. my, my thing is though, see, I see. I think I disagree there because I think I agree. People are going to expect a big return, but I think Cabrian Hayes has already his established himself as the face of this franchise. You know, and. I think people see that. I think people realize that key Brian Hayes is the, your new Andrew McCutcheon. You know, he's the guy who, when you're on national TV, he's going to be the guy who's spotlighted. He's going to be the guy in commercials with the endorsement deals. He's going to be your perennial all-star. Like I, I think the fact that Hayes has emerged as the new face of their franchise, the pirates makes it easier for them to trade bell because I think a lot of fans, are going to have their expectations tweaked because of that, because I think a lot of fans don't view Bell as the face of the franchise anymore. I think they view Brian Hayes as that guy. You know, I guess that window, I I feel like this season was that last opportunity for Josh Bell because, you know, we we knew Cabrian was coming. Um, You know, we knew that Josh Bell obviously had to make big improvements defensively, and we heard that that was the case, but just didn't see it. I, I mean, the guy... You know, looked like at times couldn't even field a ground ball. Um, just so many things, so many reasons to, to make the trade now, I think, and, um, you know, move forward, get pieces. 
the way that this team has been rebuilt, it's just exciting to see that. I think there's a true plan there. And, you know, we talk about, we speculate what's going to happen to guys like Josh Bell. I think it's encouraging to, you know, when we think about Ben Charrington, the way that this front office has operated to this point, at least, it's been very methodical. I mean, I think that'll be the case with Josh Bell, too. If it's this offseason, if it's the trade deadline, I think the right move will be made, even if it's not exciting names that we thought may come in return for Josh Bell at one time. Yeah, no, I agree, Trey. I I, I don't think we're going to get the names that, you know, like you said, people would hope for. I do still think you can get a solid package back. I think you'll get you'll be able to get a multi prospect package back, maybe with a decent name headlining it still, just because you know, I the front office isn't just gonna give them away either. I you know, so and like Marty said, even if you're a you know, a team like let's say the White Sox or the Twins who is looking for cheap power, you know, that's how you're going to get it is the trade market. They're not going to be able to go out and buy buy that power. I mean, maybe the White Sox could, um, but, you know, they declined the option on Edwin and Carson. Uh, the Twins, you know, potentially could lose Nelly Cruz to free agency also. So, you know, there's two teams that I look at, like I said, who aren't traditionally big spenders that could still want them. And like you said, I trust Charrington, you know, would he settle for a better package of younger prospects, just like he did for Starling Marte last year, you know, and I think, you know, if he, he gets better value that way, you know, there's nothing wrong with that. No, not at all. And you know, that may sting at first when you, don't necessarily recognize every name in the bundle right away, but it's like. But look you know, at it already, it, that Marte trade. Exactly. You know, you have Logan Paguero's. You know, right. And there's so many times I think it hurts when you're trading away a player that you've seen had so much success at, at one time or another. You know, like even Andrew McCutcheon, for example, that, that trade at the time, it stung. You know, it hurt. It didn't feel right. But looking back on it, it's like that trade has set up this organization for who knows what. You know, what if this team doesn't have Brian Reynolds right now? You know, what if this team, Kyle Crick is obviously a much different situation there. Um, but you just got to make the right move to, to set up the Pittsburgh Pirates in 2025. Maybe not necessarily in 2021 when Josh Bell would be giving you that production. It'll be, a, you know, really interesting to see how it unfolds here. Um, but, you know, one way or another, I, I would be surprised if Josh Bell remains on this roster after the 2021 season. Don Kelly, current bench coach for the Pittsburgh Pirates, is looking for a new occupation. He has been interviewing around the league. We saw the second interview with the Boston Red Sox. We've heard the Tigers. Um, you know, it maybe be a good fit for Kelly. Let's talk about how this will affect Don Kelly first, and then maybe we can get into to how it'll affect this Pirates team and who will fill into that bench coach role. Yeah, it looks like there's a good shot that Don Kelly could potentially move on this offseason. Um, I know before the Tigers hired A.J. Hinch, Kelly had an interview there and was one of their top guys, which made sense because Kelly has a lot of ties to the Tigers. Um, Kelly's a guy is very well thought of throughout Major League Baseball. Uh, last year, when Clint Hurdle was let go, Kelly was actually a guy that we had identified on the website as a potential candidate to be the Pirates manager. And, you know, one of us as a bench coach, you know, he fit a lot of the things you're looking for here coming from the Astros, Pittsburgh native, that sort of thing. So, 
But yeah, yeah, people around baseball think a lot of Don Kelly, and it looks very possible that he could potentially be the new manager of the Boston Red Sox. And if he is, hey, good for him. You know, you want to see your your coaches move on, have success elsewhere, because that's a that reflects well in the organization. But um, you know, ho- hopefully, I, Kelly's a guy I think is a very good baseball mind, very good coach to have around. So hopefully, he'll be around Pittsburgh for at least a few more years. But it definitely seems possible that. He could be managing the Boston Red Sox, you know, sooner rather than later. Yeah, the one wild card in that Red Sox situation is Alex Cora. Um, yeah. The fact that he's back in the mix yeah. there, be very intrigued to see if they just, you know, being that A.J. Hinch got hired so fast, you know, no one even really blinked an eye about hiring him back in. So I, I don't see why. Yeah, but I also think it's a lot different, you know, Let's say had the Astros hired AJ Hinch. You know what I yeah, mean? I mean, yeah, I think that's where the big difference comes in. There is, I, I don't, I could see the Red Sox really getting drugged through the mud if they bring Cora back. Yeah, I guess that's true. I think that that might be just part of them doing their due diligence. But I don't know. I there's, I saw there's quite a few names still in that, um, you know, potentially up for that job. Don Kelly seems like he's, I don't know. I think he's still a couple years away from getting, finally landing one. I think he's just starting that process of getting the interviews. I still think he might be a couple years away from actually, you know, seriously contending to get a manager job. But the one thing we do have to watch is the Red Sox are being ran by um, Heim Bloom. Uh, who was previously with the Tampa Bay Rays. So he does think outside the box. Um, so, you know, if Kelly puts in a good interview, he definitely won't close the door on him. No, and I think Kelly, you know, would be a good hire now, but a couple of years would probably complete that. It's kind of like running for president almost. You know, it's you test the waters, you get these interviews here. Uh, the Red Sox would be an interesting fit. I think it would be a cool fit. And uh, just to get away from court, get away from all of that, what do you guys think about that A.J. Hinch hire with Detroit? I, you know, I think it's good for him to, to get back into it, but um, interesting that it was, you know, so fast, I guess. Yeah, I think it's a good hire by Detroit. I mean, Hinch's track record with the Astros, regardless of what they were or weren't doing illegally, speaks for itself. And I give, I give the Tigers credit for not being afraid to hire the guy, especially the team with a lot of young talent. Like Detroit, that could be a pretty good team in a few years. So, I mean, we'll see how it goes. Obviously, you know, if – the Tigers come out and struggle. You're going to hear nonstop jokes about Hinch not being able to win about cheating. But, you know, Hinch is a very analytical type of guy, and I think that's a good hire for the Tigers. I really do. Yeah, I think the one thing you said, Marty, that I agree with there also is the, the young players thing. Hinch, you know, was there for the Astros when all their young talent was coming up, and, you know, even until last year when they still had a lot of big-time guys uh, prospects like Kyle Tucker and, you know, coming up and some of those pitchers. So it's, I think for the Tigers, they're getting a guy who, you know, is definitely walking into a very potential similar situation that he had when he walked into Houston. Uh, they got a lot of those top young prospects. They're knocking at the door. They they have the the big market capability also just like Houston did so I think Hinch you know will have every opportunity to succeed there but it'll be interesting to see if he you know is able to get back into the dugout you know after you know dealing with the year off and 
always having that following them now. Yeah, that's the thing. It's like you got a great baseball mind here and a, a guy that can develop these these young Tigers, but you invite all, you know, the extra stuff. You invite everything else, all the jokes, you know, everybody booing. And it, it, it's, I think it's a good hire. It's definitely, um, you know, an interesting move for the Tigers, though. They they know what they're getting into, and, um, you know, we'll see how it goes. But I, I think we'll, we'll get over that if he can turn Detroit around and, uh, you know, figure out a way to get that ball club winning. A lot of potential there. Gregory Polanco will be headed back down to the Dominican Republic to play in a winter baseball league. I think this is awesome. You know, a guy that, if he can stay healthy, we've had this conversation. You guys are definitely a little bit divided on Gregory Polanco. But I, I think if a guy, you know, Gregory Polanco is the kind of guy, if he can stay healthy, he's putting in the work, he's continuing to get better. This could be a, an essential part of the Pirates lineup. Moving forward, you know, I guess I'm saying, I, I think that this is a guy that if he can come out and show – what he has after this this winter league into spring training could be a guy the Pirates don't look to trade, don't look to uh, you know DFA. Listen, I'm gonna come out and say that I am now on board with with Marty that I do not think the Pirates will trade Gregory Polanco this offseason. I, I said that a couple shows ago, um, but that was before I realized that the the teams were not going to be taking big financial risks this offseason. So I don't think there will be any team for sure willing to take on that contract now. I thought it would maybe, you know, in a normal market, but definitely not now. So, yeah, I think you're we're, we got to hope that, you know, he can go down to that winter league and keep working and, you know, kind of find that 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 spot that he was in a couple of years ago and get things back going. The big thing is getting the reps, but Trey, you, you said it. Uh, one thing I always get worried about with him playing baseball in general is getting injured. And we got to just hope that nothing, nothing happens to him while he's also playing down there, which is more of a concern with him. Listen, let me, let me just remind our listeners here that Gregory Polanco in 2020, despite his poor offensive output, he was in the 95th percentile baseball and exit velocity, the 93rd percentile in hard hit rate, and the 83rd percentile in barrel rate. He's the only one who had a higher average exit velocity than Cabron Hayes on the roster this year. Yes. If, if Gregory Polanco can cut down his strikeouts and make more contact in 2021, he will be one of the best hitters on the pirate roster. I have zero doubt saying that. And that is why I'm very happy that he's playing winter ball because in the last two seasons with all of his injuries and between testing positive for COVID and missing time this year, you know, ever since the he, consistency. Yeah. Ever since he blew up his shoulder on that slide at second base in September of 2018, he has something like, 350 plate appearances in the last two two calendar years. Like he just needs at bats. The the guy needs at bats. Go to go down to the Dominican Republic, get your at bats, get your swing together to where you're making more consistent contact. Because if he can make more consistent contact, he will be a very productive hitter at the plate. I have zero doubts about that. And if Polanco can come out next year and hit the ball the way he did in 16 and 17 and 18, you know, it's a win-win for the Pirates because either the Pirates are going to perform better than you expect because they have this big bat in the other lineup 
or Polanco is going to turn into a great trade ship for you. So I am very happy to see Polanco playing winter ball in the Dominican Republic. You know, this is the first time in seven years that he has done this. And I think only good things can come out of it for Gregory Polanco. And I really hope things do come out of it because Polanco is a guy I've always liked. He's a guy I've always rooted for. You know, there, there are very few people in baseball who seem to have more fun and just more joy in the game of baseball than Gregory Polanco. So I really hope that he can finally put it all together and live up to the hype that he had when he was a prospect of being one of the top prospects in baseball. Back when he was the walking tool shed. The tool shed, baby. Oh, yeah. No, I'm on board with that, Marty. I I mean, I'm happy. I hope he goes down there and does find it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it's definitely an approach that has worked for a lot of players. It's just my one reservation with it is I, I just get worried about his health. And if something were to happen down there with him playing, you know, that would just be another real bad black, black mark on his record, you know? No, I understand what you're saying. I know. I just, I'm just being cautious. I don't want to be too, you know, excited about it. I just want him to get back here next year and hopefully be in in a better spot. Yeah. You know, again, like I said, I understand what you're saying, but at the same time, you know, on, on that at this point, it's a risk he has to take. He's going to take that risk playing anywhere. You know, yeah, rather it's and he needs to do it forever. So I would rather him just go get the at bats, and you know what? If he gets hurt, he gets hurt. I, I just he needs the at bats right now. I think Gregory Polanco is the kind of guy that it's the more at bats we've seen, just so much progress, and we saw it throughout this season. You know, we're talking Gregory Polanco. We talked Josh Bell a good bit earlier in the show. It's so interesting to think about kind of how just the mood shifted for both of these players. I think so much confidence. I think this team still has so much faith in Gregory Polanco. I think it's going out the window for Josh Bell. But I do think we see, you know, Gregory get as many chances as it takes this season, bearing any injury. I would just be shocked if the Pirates went another direction. And I get, you know, the conversation we had earlier this season, your points, Nick, on a team maybe trying to take that option for a year trying to take a chance on Gregory Polanco. Um, but this offseason just isn't that, – that's not, you know, how this offseason is going to work, it, it seems. So Gregory Polanco will uh, – very good chance we see him to begin spring training. But the Dominican Republic is getting a, a nice little lefty power bat for this winter. At-bats are, are key for Mr. Polanco. Hopefully he's, he figures it out. And just hopefully he, he figures out a way to, you know, kind of develop the little things. I think that's kind of another thing that, that – hurt him this season was just the way he struggled to get the fundamentals all the way down we saw you know the back click at times and I think some of it was still coming back late after you know missing a little bit of the season for COVID to start the year you you know you're behind in at-bats everything else but um you know just getting it consistent getting it healthy and consistent is the biggest thing for Harry Polanco hopefully he's able to stay healthy in the DR and get some consistency while he's down there also that is all the time that we have for this episode of Rum Bunter Radio. Thank you so much for joining us. As always, we're going to have some great guests coming up these next few weeks, uh, talk about Pirates baseball, what to expect this offseason. We're going to talk about some Pirates literature as well. We have a guest coming on to talk about a book he wrote about the 1960 title in just a couple weeks. A lot of fun content coming. Check out the website as well, guys. Great articles out right now, breaking down everything that's going on. Chris Archer article out. Um, articles talking about the signing of Perez this week. So much going on on Rum Bunter. 
com. Thank you guys for such a big October as well. Um, until next time, my name is Trey Yannity, joined with Marty Leap and Nick Caparoso. This has been a production of Rum Buncher Radio. You can find us on Omni.com, Fansided.com, on our social media, at Rum Buncher, and on Apple Music as well. So long, everybody. Let's go, Bucks. mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger, less than five miles away. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.